Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, the first chapter, the first five verses in verse 14. Listen now for God's word to us this day. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen His glory, the glory as of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Virginia Stiebel is a member of Down River United Methodist Church in Taylor, Michigan. Her church, like our church, did not hold in-person Christmas services this past Christmas And Virginia, who does not have a computer, really missed Silent Night and Candlelight. Virginia finds Christmas Eve worship to be incredibly meaningful for her life of discipleship. So as Down River United Methodist began its reopening process, Virginia began a conversation with her pastor to see about setting aside one Sunday for the church to celebrate Christmas. Her suggestion? A Sunday in July. Now, Virginia knew about the Christmas in July sales ploy from Hallmark Hallmark Channel and QVC, but for Virginia Stiebel and Downriver United Methodist, holding a Christmas Eve service in July represents something greater. It represents reclaiming a piece of their church life that was lost to the pandemic while also recognizing that their church is different now than it was 18 months ago. So, on a recent Sunday, Downriver UMC held their traditional Christmas cookie swap, and they sang carols, and they heard of shepherds and wise men and a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, but they also had a cookout and shaved ice on the church lawn in their shorts and their t-shirts. They welcomed the baby Jesus into the world anew, even though there was no snow on the ground. They found a spark of creativity in the birth of the Redeemer, and it did not matter if it was December or July. Today's passage is not one we typically read on a day like today. This passage is one we usually hear on Christmas Eve. The Christmas Eve tradition at the church I served before coming to FPC uh, was to, is to turn out all the lights in the sanctuary. The ushers would pass around the candlelight while Silent Night played on the organ, and one of the pastors recites these verses. After everyone's candle is lit, the congregation sings four verses of the carol, and they welcome Jesus into the world one more time. The striking juxtaposition of this tradition, however, is that these first verses of the Gospel of John do not necessarily speak of Christ's actual birth. For you see, John's Gospel begins at the creation of the cosmos, not at Christ's birth. In the beginning was the Word. The word for word in Greek is logos. 
It is the logos, the logic, the word that permeates and structures the universe, the divine reason that orders and gives meaning to all that is. And in John's ordering of things, the very existence of created order depends on the logos. It depends on the word, which is, in John's understanding, Jesus. And without Jesus Christ, without Christ, not one thing came into being. John's point in this passage is very clear. The Word animates the world. God's Word, through whom life and light were created, continues to enliven and enlighten people. Every human carries a spark of God's life and God's light. To call Jesus God's Word means, to quote the biblical scholar Marianne May Thompson, that Jesus is God's self-expression, God's thought or mind, God's interior word spoken aloud. John portrays Jesus not only as the representative of God, but also as the representation of God, the one whose origins lie uniquely in the very being of God. In other words, the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, illumines for us, those who follow Christ, an enfleshed manifestation of divine creativity. We know creativity because of Christ. But this creativity goes far and beyond artistic or musical or literary creativity. This extends to every corner of our life together. Every fiber of our being is infused with holy creativity, which we understand because of the Word made flesh. Without Christ, not one thing came into being. Therefore, Christ, through the Holy Spirit, enlivens creativity within us, for we are fearfully wonderfully and creatively made by God. Back in early February 2020, Mary Kay and I had coffee with a couple in our church. We were discussing this new virus called COVID-19, and and they mentioned the term social distancing. Both Mary Kay and I were puzzled by this term, so on the way back to the church, I googled what it meant. I'd never heard it before. And we were both horrified by what we read. The possibility that we might not be able to have coffee with church members or go to the hospital and visit our sick people and celebrate the sacraments and in-person worship both, or caused us both to remark to one another that there is no way we're going to have to do this. And yet, despite Mary Kay's and my utter miscalculation of what was before us, social distancing has turned out to be a holy activity for our faith community. Throughout this season of virtual life and where we are right now, we have grown in unexpected and creative ways. Our entire understanding of place and space has been radically altered. Our entire conception of what it means to be church has changed. And all along the way, we have looked to Jesus for inspiration We've participated in vulnerable conversations. We have looked for opportunities to enliven justice right in our own backyards and around the world. We have learned so much about how we can be the people of God together, even when we can't be in the same room, how we might be First Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia, in ways we could have never imagined. 
And we are still reimagining how we are the hands and feet of a creative Christ in every way, in new ways, every day. Indeed, it seems that God is speaking through our distance, and God is bringing us closer together because of and through our God-enlivened creativity. The good news is that this is the way God has acted throughout history, through the moments when we are most vulnerable, when we feel like we have lost our way, when we are crying and struggling over how we're going to get through it, and because God is the model of creativity in the person of Jesus, God gets our attention when we feel out of control with order from chaos, with the Word who was in the beginning with God. Virginia Stiebel's Christmas in July idea gave their church community something tangible to both honor where they have been and it helped them live into the creativity imbued to them by Christ. Her spark of creativity also shows us that time is important when we consider the work of the church. I imagine their worship that Sunday felt like a paradox. On one hand, it could have felt unsettling to sing Silent Night and hear the story of the baby Jesus lying in a manger with the air conditioning humming in the background. Yet on the other hand, I cannot imagine anything more comforting for this small and loving church community. It was the right time for her church to celebrate Christmas in July. It may have been odd for some. It may, have been not, may not have been someone's preferred way to do things, but it was just right. It worked for them in that moment. It was the right time to do it. And Christ was worshipped nonetheless. So that begs the question, what time is it for us? Having experienced this time of social distancing, God has given us an opportunity to look closer and deeper and wider for what God is calling us to do and where God is calling us to be to find the places where our deep joy and the world's deep needs meet. There is no time like the present for us to live into the high calling uh, God has placed upon us to be the church, the physical hands and feet of Christ, God's Christ's continuing ministry in the world. And because we are called, we live and move and have our being imbued with the spirit of creativity which permeates every corner of our life. The creative God who became flesh, who is the Word, and without whom not one thing came into being, that God invites us to consider how we are devoting our creative energy in the world, in our lives, and in our life together as the church of Jesus Christ. We are invited to ask what we can do, not what we can't do. We are offered a chance to strike up a conversation with someone to whom we wouldn't normally speak. We are offered an opportunity to try a new thing, although it might make us uncomfortable. We are called to devote our creative energy to the work God is already doing, and that's recreating a world where every person might, not, might know that not one thing came into being without God. To tell another person that they are loved by a God whose love cannot end. And this looks like a community where we face adversity with communal trust and resilience, not skepticism, where we leverage our power and create equity, 
and where we join God, where God resides, which might take us to some uncomfortable places where the most effective thing we can do is to show up and not say a word, to truly, deeply, humbly listen. Jesus was born into a world full of deep division, but because Jesus is indeed the Word made flesh, we are charged to live like Jesus lived, to live simply, to love endlessly, and to intimately trust the God who comes into our world every day, not just on Christmas. So, church, let's recommit ourselves to finding the places where we can dip our toes into the vast ocean of creative ways God invites us to continue the ministry of God's very self-expression, Jesus Christ. And may we do it all with the joy, dare I say joy to the world, joy in the world we experience when we usher in Christ every Christmas. And in that, we can rejoice. Amen.